is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. We're looking at uh, stories from the life of David. We're in this series uh, looking at some of the things that happened in David's life and thinking about um, his characteristics, if you like, some of his, uh, his character. Graham introduced it by thinking about themes like David as a warrior and a worshipper. And um, he's very kindly given me two chapters from 2 Samuel uh, to look at this morning. And they're not even next to one another, which feels like I lost in the Preacher's Dare competition. But we're going to be... <laughs> We're going to be looking at 2 Samuel chapter 5 and chapter 7. And I'm not going to read the whole of the two chapters because I think that would be a bit too much to do. But we need to read enough um, to uh, cover the aspect of David that we're going to be thinking about this morning. So in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5, David is uh, recognized as king over all Israel by uh, the various tribes and the uh, the tribal leaders and the elders of the nation. Uh, And they come to him and say that they want him to be king, uh, which he does. And he, uh, in the early part of chapter 5, he captures Jerusalem uh, and he makes that the center of his uh, power base, uh, establishes his his kind of rule from that city. Uh, And then when he's there, uh, we're going to start reading in verse 17. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. But David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And David came to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has burst through my enemies before me like a bursting flood. Therefore the name of that place is called Baal-perazim. And the Philistines left their idols there, and David and his men carried them away. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, You shall not go up. Go around to their rear and come against them opposite the balsam trees. And when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then rouse yourself. For then the Lord has gone out before you to strike down the army of the Philistines. And David did as the Lord commanded him and struck down the Philistines from Geba to Giza. And then at the beginning of chapter 7, when the king had lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies... The king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, But I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. 
In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built for me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Then David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? Okay, we're going to pray, and uh, then we're going to think about some of that. Father, thank you uh, that the Bible is full of people who knew and loved you because you knew and loved them. Thank you for the example of David, uh, a man who loved you so much and achieved so much for you. Lord, in just thinking about these verses this morning, we ask that you speak to us about our character, about our lives that we could be uh, people who, like David, get to know you more and more and bring you glory. Just use these simple thoughts, Father, to transform us and to bring your kingdom into this world. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, when I read these um, passages again for the first time in thinking about this morning, one of the things that really stood out for me is how different what I'm going to speak about today is from what I would have spoken about a few years ago. Because a few years ago, I would have got really, really excited about David's kingdom and this great prophetic promise that Nathan brings, uh, this picture that's fulfilled in Solomon uh, in the short term and in Jesus in the long term, this everlasting kingdom that was going to become part of David's house, which we live in now because Jesus uh, ushered it in. Uh, and those things still excite me. Um, but we're thinking about David and David's character. And what really stood out for me as I read these was just three very simple things uh, about David that are very easy to imitate uh, and therefore hopefully quite helpful in terms of putting things into practice in the next few weeks and months. Um, and the first is that David asks questions. 
Um, and I just like that about him. Uh, working with people, it's really interesting listening to how much people talk and how much they ask. Uh, and how much you can help people is kind of dependent on whether or not they ask questions. And I've also discovered that asking questions is really powerful. I found this out a few years ago. I was very privileged to hear someone talk on the whole subject of asking questions. Uh, Jesus asks lots of questions, actually. If you read the Gospels, Jesus asks over 360 different questions. Well, 360 questions in the Gospels. If you take out all the duplicates, it's still over 200 questions. He's fantastic at asking questions. And I've, I've discovered this about people. I've observed this. This is not so profound. Don't get too, don't, don't, I don't want to give this too big a build-up. <clears throat> I've discovered that people who ask questions learn stuff. Yeah? Yeah, if you, were, if you want deep theology, you've come on the wrong week. People who ask questions learn stuff. For example, we were sitting having lunch. Uh, the other week in our house. We try and eat around the table as often as we can. And uh, we're having lunch. It's just a very simple, you know, sandwich type lunch. And one of the girls spreading tuna mayonnaise on her bread said, I wonder how many tuna fish there are in a tin of tuna. And I, I have this recollection in my head of seeing old black and white photographs of men who've caught tuna fish and thinking, They're huge. I'm sure, I said, I'm sure I've seen pictures of men with tuna fish that are like, if they said they were this big, they were bigger. They were selling themselves short. But of course, I'm a dad, so I know nothing. (laughs) Coupled with the fact, of course, I do talk complete nonsense quite a lot of the time. So we went to the font of all knowledge in our house, Google Images. And we typed, men catching tuna fish, which led to a recreation of various scenes from Wayne's World. (laughs) No way! way. Huge! I tell you, no one in our family is ever going to make the mistake of not knowing how big a tuna fish is. How do we know that? Because somebody asked a question. If you ask questions, you learn stuff. And David constantly asks questions. So he finds himself in this situation where he's, he's king. The nation want him to be king. He's captured a city. No one thought he could capture that. He's consolidating his power base. The Philistines are unhappy. They're coming up against him. So he comes to God. Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hands? What am I going to do? If he'd had a what would Jesus do bracelet, he'd have been wearing it. God, what do I do? And then he comes up against exactly the same situation. He's in exactly the same place. It's exactly the same enemy, gathered in exactly the same valley. But David doesn't presume, ah, last time I was in this situation, I did this, and God did this, and this happened. David comes to God And he asks again. He inquires again in the new situation. In verse 23. Because God doesn't work like a mathematical formula. 
God is not X plus Y equals Z, always. God himself is unchanging. We know that, don't we? God, God was as loving in history as he is today, as he forever will be. Full of grace and mercy and justice in history for all eternity past, as he is today, as he always will be. But God loves doing things differently. Behold, I do a new thing. God likes to keep us on our toes so that we can't presume, oh, I just do this again and it'll all work out. David knows that. David knows that because he knows relationships don't work like that. He asks the question. And I love the fact. So I think these are direct questions, okay? You have to kind of interpret scripture a little bit. I think when we read these passages, David just comes and he asks the question and God answers him. But in the beginning of chapter 7, I think we have a slightly different situation. Because I don't believe that what's recorded here in chapter 7 is the entire conversation with Nathan. See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. Go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. I think that's a pricey of a conversation. And I think David is using Nathan as a sounding board. There are things he'd like to do, and he's just checking it out with some friends. And he's asking them the question, what do you think? Do you think this would be a good idea? Does that make sense? This is not like, this is not like watching uh, a TV documentary where every, every word is recorded. I think this is a summary of their conversation, and David is asking a question of a friend. What do you think I do? I tell you, you need friends like that in your life. You need friends that you can ask questions of and who will speak to you uh, with, with honesty relationships require that we ask questions. You know that because you know when you meet someone for the first time, that's the easiest way to get talking to them. You don't come from around here, do you? How did you end up in Derby? What do you do? Why are you wearing that jumper? Maybe it's just me, people ask that question. And you find stuff out. And if you want to keep the relationship going, you have to keep asking questions because otherwise we just act on presumption we were watching doc martin yesterday i don't my girls have finished college they're obviously very bored we've got a box set series of doc martin we're watching doc martin people know what i'm talking about tv's always risky we okay so there's this scene where uh the romantic interest uh and this grumpy doctor have decided they're going to meet in the pub at eight o'clock one night and and she's there miss glasson the school teacher, is there in the palm. She's bought a bottle of wine, a couple of glasses. Doc Martin doesn't turn up. Now, she assumes that it's because he doesn't really care very much and he's just grumpy and he's got no social skills. But the dramatic tension is that we know now he's dealing with an emergency. And if you don't ask questions in relationships, why did you say that? Why did you make that decision? What... What was going on that day when you, when you did that? Then you just end up getting grumpy with one another because you, you make presumptions about things. I have found the best way of opening that up is just to ask questions. So when people explode at me, and people often explode at me, <laughs> just my face, I think. No, people, 
I often have to deal with that, people just exploding. One of the best ways of dealing with it is to come back after a day or two and just, what was going on on Wednesday? Because you seemed really stressed. And suddenly you get the information you wouldn't otherwise have had. Does that make sense? Graham and I had a fantastic email conversation two weeks ago. It was absolutely brilliant. I emailed Graham a question about this. And uh, Graham thought I was talking about this. So he emailed me a reply about this. But I wasn't. I was talking about this. And I thought, what? <laughs> so after, after a little while, when I'd calmed down and I'd narrowed it down to one question, I sent Graham a question by email. He thought, Kevin, you cantankerous old... I'll stop there. But that was a quote. Because <laughs> we were talking about two completely different things. And actually, we're very committed to one another. So we asked, what is really going on here? What are you actually talking about? Oh, and we worked it out. You have to ask God questions if you want your relationship to grow and you want to keep on knowing, what are you doing now, Lord? What's this about? How do I deal with this situation? What's going on here? I come to the Bible. I can't read the Bible like a novel anymore because it just washes over me. I have to ask myself questions. Why did David take Jerusalem? Who are the Philistines? Why do they hate him? Where is this valley? What period of history is this? And you ask questions and you learn stuff. Lord, why did you do that? Why does Jesus say that? Why am I going through this? I think one of the things that makes David such an outstanding man of God is this process of asking questions. Now, not only does he ask questions, but he listens. He listens to God and he listens to people who listen to God. Again, this is where relationships become really important. But first of all, he listens to God. So David comes and he asks a direct question. And this is why I say, I think when we're reading chapter 5, I think this is actually what David said. Tip the water over. And this is actually what God replied. And God gives him two different replies. And they're quoted. And I think it's reasonable to say these aren't replies that David received over a period of several weeks through interpreting pictures and various signs in the sky, I think God just spoke to him. Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. Now, Jesus says that he's our shepherd, and we know his voice. So how much do we listen? How easy do we find it to listen to God? Because I'll tell you what I do know. I know it's a lot easier to talk than it is to listen. But when God speaks, isn't it amazing? I, I, I first experienced hearing that kind of voice when Mel and I were uh, teenagers. We went on a teenage holiday together. We went to Harrogate. We were about 16, 17 at the time. And, uh, we, were, and we were on this holiday with a load of kids from youth groups from London who were very different from us. And uh, there, was, there was one girl there, Monique, her name was. She was a sassy, good-looking, very confident girl from London. And uh, we were sitting in the common room area once. And God said to me, 
Go and tell her it's time to do what she wants to do. Which I was so frightened of, but, you know, God speaks. So I went and I said, God wants you to know it's time for you to do what you want to do. And she looked at me and she said, and what do you think I want to do, Kevin? Bright red. Whoops. Didn't feel prepared for that. Said, I don't know. But you know. And in front of all her friends, she burst into tears. Said, I want to become a Christian. Will you pray with me? I love those moments. I, was, I, was, uh, I had a meal with a couple who came up to see me. They came up from Essex just to have lunch with me a few weeks ago um, because they had one child, teenage son, who was heavily using cannabis. Uh, and so they cut his allowance. Um, and then to fund his cannabis use, he started dealing. And he was obviously getting deeper and deeper. And they didn't know anybody that they could talk to uh, about it. So they came and they had lunch. And I wasn't very comforting. That was one of the things that I was really apologetic to them about. Uh, I, I didn't just pat them on the shoulder and say, I'm sure it'll be all right. We had a very honest conversation about the situation their son was in. Uh, and we were sitting in a pub having lunch. Um, and I'd had half a pint. And you're never quite sure when you've had half a pint. Quite Well, I'm not. It's my medication. Uh, and God said something to me about the parable of uh, the prodigal son that I'd never understood before. But this mother needed to hear. Uh, and I, I just said it to her. I think God wants you to understand this. And I had almost the same response. Her husband said to me, if that was the only useful thing we'd taken out of today, and it wasn't, but if it was, it would have been worth coming all this way and spending the whole day to hear that. Because God wanted to speak into her life about her. And I love those moments. They're precious. And I find now in conversations with people, I guess because I'm asking for it more, <laughs> that I'm sensing that more. In conversations with people who don't know God at all, that I can be sitting and having a chat with them and God will just give a revelation, just a voice. They need to know this. And he can speak it out. David, David listens to what God says. And he listens to what people who listen to God say. So his initial conversation with Nathan is, yeah, go ahead, do it. And he must have been getting so excited because I think he's quite excited about building a temple. I think when you look at David's life, this is this like matters to him. This is a real important heart defining issue in his life. And he must have been so up for it. And then Nathan comes back the next day and says, actually, no, it's not going to be you. And he hears that and he responds so well. There's no bitterness here. There's no disappointment when he's heard what God says. He's just amazingly humble. Who am I, O oh Lord? And why is my house that you've brought me thus far? And you could think, yeah, but he's hearing fantastic promises that guarantee him a dynasty for eternity. It's easy to hear God when it's what you want to hear. Actually, David is fantastic at listening when it's exactly not what you want to hear. So when Nathan comes back to him in chapter 12 and rebukes him for his sin in committing adultery with Bathsheba and having her husband murdered, and he pronounced judgment upon David, 
David's response is, I have sinned against the Lord. Chapter 12, verse 13. I have sinned against the Lord. He hears God's voice right in the midst of his sin. Right when he could most be expected to exercise his power and justify himself and throw Nathan out and have nothing to do with him. And, you know, the like people do sometimes. Come on. No, he doesn't. He hears God. There's another incident earlier in his life where a man called Nabal has uh, really offended him. And uh, David is uh, bloodlust is up. And he's out for revenge. Him and 400 of his mates put their swords on. And they go out to kill this man and his family. And the man's wife, Abigail, comes out and meets him on the way. And speaks to him. And in 1 Samuel 25, 32, David says to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion. And blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from avenging myself with my own hand. Right in the middle of being the most angry man imaginable, out for revenge, out for blood, someone who's heard God comes and speaks to him. And immediately, David is repentant. He listens to God when it's easy and when it's against every aspect of human nature. I want friends around me who will speak to me in those terms. One, one of the things, again, I've discovered in my life is most of the people who love me aren't prepared to tell me the truth. And most of the people who are prepared to tell me the truth don't love me very much. <laughs> you need friends, don't you, who love you enough to say, I think God says this. I've never made any major decision in my life without talking to mature Christian friends. Never. I've never moved house. I've never changed job. I've never moved church. I've never done anything really significant without talking to Christian friends. Because I would be absolutely crazy if I thought I'm the only person who can hear God about things in my life. It's absolutely not true. And friends who love me and speak the truth have saved me from making very, very serious mistakes. I want to be like David in this. I want to be someone who listens to God and who listens to people who listen to God. So he asks questions. That's why he knows God so well. He listens. And finally, he obeys. I told you there's nothing profound or complicated about this. David just does what God says. So the first time he comes and asks him the question, shall I go up against the Philistines? And God says, yes, do it like this. David does it like that. He's successful. The second time he comes, he doesn't presume to know. He asks the question, do I go up against the Philistines? He listens to the answer. No, do it a different way this time. He does it the way God says. God gives him victory. He's batting about the idea. Do I build a temple? God speaks to Nathan. Nathan comes and says, no, it's not for you. Okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm not just going to jump in and do it, but I am going to make preparations for it. He does an amazing job. And in the context in which David becomes king, this is absolutely crucial. 
because it's the whole reason that Saul lost the kingship. And David would have been aware of this, would have been very much in his mind. If we go back to before we started looking at the story of David in 1 Samuel 15. And if you've got a Bible, just have a look at this because it, it matters and it would have been in David's head. One Samuel fifteen. Saul, at the king, has been waging battle against the Amalekites, an old enemy of Israel. God has told him to destroy everything that they capture. Saul decides he's not going to do that. He's going to keep some of what they capture for sacrifice. Samuel, the last great judge of the nation comes to him in verse 22 and says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as in iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord he has also rejected you from being king so good to hear Sarah's prophecy this morning which mentioned listening I did notice that but also that it was about having an intimate relationship with God not just on Sundays but every day Because obedience to God is not just about being at meetings, singing songs. It's about how we walk every single day. We had a prophecy last week about being uninhibited. don't know if you remember that from from our worship, uninhibited. And the worship definitely lifted last week, having had that word. Uninhibited worship, fantastic. But it wasn't just about Sunday. I I would say that prophecy is about, are you living uninhibited for God on the other six and a half days of the week? Are you uninhibited in the grace that you show to people and the forgiveness that you give to people? Are you uninhibited in the joy that you have in God, in what you uh, give your finance to? Are you uninhibited in your love for people? Because there is no alternative to obedience. There's no other option. If you want to walk with God, you obey him. Now, that is a really unpopular concept for many people. But Jesus puts it like this. If you love me, you will obey my commands. Our our willingness to be obedient every day of the week, in every relationship, every conversation is a demonstration of our love for God. And that doesn't matter whether you're talking to that awkward receptionist at your local GP surgery or someone on the telephone line who's not really helping you. doesn't matter who it is. doesn't matter what the circumstance is. Are you living life God's way? Are you showing the justice and the mercy and the grace of God every day in every conversation to everybody that you meet? Are you walking 
obedient to what God has called you to do. When you ask God about that situation in your life that's been troubling you this week and you listen, will you then do what he says? Or do you find yourself in some situations thinking, well, I do anything but that? Or I'm going to listen to God provided the answer falls into one of the following four categories. We just have to obey. What makes David great is that he obeyed. He asked. He listened. He obeyed. There's no substitute for that in the Christian life. If you really want to know God, if you really want to walk with him, you have to be obedient when he speaks. No excuses. Nothing justifies sin. David knew that. That's why he could repent so quickly. Now, I'm not saying we can be like David. We're not going to be like David, are we? In one sense. But in understanding how he was described by God as a man after my own heart, in understanding... How in his character he achieved so much for God. I think this isn't the whole answer. Preachers tend to do this, don't they? My passage contains everything you need to know. It doesn't. But this is part of the answer. Part of the answer of David's character. He asks questions. If you want to know God, ask him stuff. Alpha's coming up. What a great place to ask questions. It's all about asking questions. Ask questions. It's how you get to know God. Listen. Listen to God and listen to people who listen to God and obey. There's no substitute. I think I'm done. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for this amazing uh, example of David. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can come and ask you questions. You are never afraid of answering our questions. Thank you, Lord, that you want to get to know us. You want to be in that intimate relationship that involves asking questions, not presuming, working through the challenges. Thank you that you speak so clearly to us at times. Thank you, Jesus, that we know your voice. Thank you for your word that speaks to us. Thank you for friends around us who can bring wisdom and insight. And Lord, we want to be people who obey you. In every moment of every day, we want to live for your glory and your honor. You are worthy, Lord. This is our spiritual act of worship. We give every moment to you. Father, in those situations that uh, all of us have had this week and are facing in the week to come. Lord, we're asking you now. Please speak to us. Please show us the right path to take, the right decision to make. Please show us how to be full of grace and mercy and justice and truth. And Lord, give us the strength to walk in obedience with you. Holy Spirit, come and strengthen our hearts. We want to be like Jesus. We want to be obedient like David in this story.
We want to bring glory to you. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.